Welcome to Theology in the Dirt, where we try to practice our theology at home and in the public square of our city and our world. Your hosts are Keith Thompson and Mitchell Jolly. Theology in the Dirt is produced by Chris Hayes, and the artwork is by Kayla Sanner. Hey, welcome, guys. Thank you for uh, listening. Appreciate all the folks who are listening and watching. It's been, it's been a lot of fun to do Theology in the Dirt. I think we're getting our legs underneath us a little bit. As you can tell, we're together. Uh, maybe not socially distanced as we probably should be, but close enough. I think we're well. We did that. We're, we're well and healthy, and that's good. Uh, we're glad today to have Les with us, Les Gross, and uh, it was a joy to converse with you about discipleship with Miss Keith last mm-hmm. time. And uh, but we're glad that we're all together here yeah. and uh, and being able to talk about discipleship, something that is. That's essential. Uh, Jesus said it's our mission to disciple the nations, mm-hmm. right? And so at the heart of our mission is this idea of discipleship. Yeah. And so last time we're together, we, we talked about there are four components that we're going to deal with. And, and those are going to be the relational component, the transformational component, the process, and the knowledge and information. And so Les, last time you, you talked about the relationship of the Trinity, Trinitarian relationship and our relationship to the Trinity. So if you would kind of highlight that a little bit, hit that as far as a a reminder uh, for part two to lead us into the idea of transformation. Yeah, the the, ultimately discipleship is an invitation into a relationship, relationship with a living God, relationship with a relational God. Mm -hmm. So there is no lack of relational oneness within the trinity father perfectly relates to the son Mm. the father and the son perfectly relate to the spirit and that perfect relationship uh is what it's the plurality of that is what god created us in the image of right um we're not triune but we are um male and female he created them like there is a there is a we're more than one, so mm-hmm. right. as human beings, and so we're created to have a relationship with each other. Right. That's the only thing that God said wasn't good in creation was that man was alone. Mm-hmm. The creation hadn't been fulfilled until Eve was created, um, because right. then there could be relationship uh, right. person to person. And so, re- first re- relationship is obviously the restoration of our relationship with the living God. Right. That's the first. Uh, that is fundamental, mm. um, and I think that's really critical because I think there are there is a there can be a way that people look at discipleship as just simply a, a knowledge transfer, right? And that knowledge transfer before people even come to a saving knowledge mm. of the living God, and that is not discipleship. That might be pre-discipleship. Might be giving some knowledge that people need to be able to make a decision to enter into a relationship. But that relationship is covenantal. Mm. means it's unbreakable, um, initiated by God and received by the person who becomes mm. a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, I am, from this day forward, going to follow Jesus Christ. That's the beginning of real discipleship. Mm. Um, and that moment is when um, that's something that God, in... Um, prehistory determined that he was going to start um, and he was going to enact in each individual um, who comes to him. The son is the one who, who would totally accomplishes that through his death, burial, and resurrection. Right. Uh, and then the spirit is the one that enters in and seals that. It's the, the seal of the adoption papers that you are now a son. You are now a daughter of Jesus. Um, the of the, yeah. yeah. And, um, I love it. That's that's what's so unique. It's not um, about discipleship. It's not just a, a list of rules or here's here's your how tos. Here's your have tos. Right. It's like come into this relationship that was ripped apart, where we were going through a whether we knew it or not, we were spiritually divorced, right, from the living God, and now that relationship is restored, right. Um, and we enter back into family again. Would you say, like we, we talk about in our church, that our DNA, the sequence of it matters, K, D, S, and C. We don't get those out of order. Would you say that the sequence, perhaps, in relationship, transformation, process, and knowledge is important in that? 
Because there is some prior knowledge, the knowledge of the gospel, the knowledge of the truth of who God is in Jesus Christ is invitation to me. But if my discipleship after maybe entrance into the kingdom of God is maybe knowledge-based, not relational-based, could, could one affect the other if the sequence is out of order? Certainly. Okay. Um, I, I think um, there, there, is a, there is a sense in which we need to understand, or we need to have a, a confrontation of, like, your worldview doesn't actually match up with reality. Right. And, and a lot, some people come to faith through that, whoa, this doesn't make any sense. When you ask me that question about, like, uh, why isn't education salvific? Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that believe that if we can just educate mankind, then we'll all live in a utopia. Mm-hmm. Well, the more education that goes, the more that people use that for their own, their own ends, and the more right. uh, the wealthy get wealthier and the poorer get poorer. And, uh, I mean, we're, we're no better off. Mm. Um, so education poured onto an unregenerate heart has limited has effect. limited value. Yeah. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, but that, um, in a sense, that you have to know that there's a kingdom battle going on. Right. That is, mm-hmm. there's the kingdom of light and there's the kingdom of darkness. Right. And, you, and you're in the kingdom of darkness and your invitation is to come into the kingdom of light. Yeah. Um, and having that, right. um, you have to know what the cosmic battle is right. that you're in the middle of, that you're upon in. You could say that the knowledge, there's the, the knowledge, or the relationship brings knowledge full circle. That your knowledge, your knowing is true knowing at that point, because knowing just knowing yeah. you can know in error. Yes, and so maybe the relationship of of the the Father, Son, and Spirit in those three verbs. Yeah, right. The enacting, let me get it right. The uh, initiating, the enacting, and the sealing. Yeah. That relational connection mm-hmm. brings to bear true knowledge. Yeah, that's good. That's good hair splitting. I mean, that's yeah. that devil's in the details, right? And right. so that, that's yeah. important. Well, you think about Jesus coming as the light. He came as the light. He came as the word in the flesh. Right. Which is sort of an, it's a bit of information. Christ comes with a view of the world yeah. as transformative. So he comes with mm-hmm. this new covenant. Um, the work is the Lord's work to change our hearts and to give us the ability to see mm-hmm. and the ability to hear. So even light in a blind person isn't helpful. The heart has to be regenerate. And then suddenly your eyes are open to all this information mm-hmm. that's redemptive and restorative. And, um, you know, we, we know that there's no such thing as you give your life to Christ and everything's peachy keen after right. that. Right. But there is a truth that if you follow Christ, there's flourishing there for us if we'll follow him um, consistently. Yeah. So the information kind of comes, the flow is constant. You know, it's not at the end. Um, but at the same time, the way it does flow, the, the process is affected at the end with continued learning and continued knowing and transformation yeah. through knowledge and that kind of thing. Mm, that's good. So, relational. What about transformational? So, <clears throat> everything, everything about the, the invitation that we're invited into, mm-hmm. basically, r- restored relationship with God and with one another. And you see that in the um, all, everything in the law and the prophets, Jesus says, is summarized with two commands. Love the Lord your God with basically all of your being, and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, so, again, that love is a relational word. So the commandments and the knowledge necessary are all pointing us toward be restored in your relationship with God. Let everything about you love God, mm. and love your neighbor as yourself, which is also deeply relational. Like that is, you're in relationship with your neighbor by proximity, uh, by being in contact with them. So relationship is at the heart of both of those commandments. A lot of times we think of commandments not in the context of relationship, but they are deeply relational things. Mm. Um, But the, um, so obedience has to be rooted in um, right understanding or good doctrine. Um, and it has to be rooted in relationship. And then it becomes transformational. Hmm. If it is just a list of things, then it becomes simply uh, 
a whole bunch of to-dos that, that degenerates into legalism. And so um, it's really important that we establish that at, at the beginning. Right. Um, because we're going to, as we talk about what needs to be transformed about us, like what are we moving toward in the process of discipleship? What are those mm-hmm. transformations? What are those aspects of us as a human being that need to be changed? We, we need to make sure that we're, re- we're recognizing that's in the context of a relationship. Right. And uh, if we fail to kind of root ourselves in that, then, uh, then, you, then a lot of that kind of what people view as the drudgery of the Christian life mm-hmm. It, it comes out of that. It comes out of a wrong understanding. Right. Um, it comes out of the same understanding of like the, what we talked about last time about the parable of the talents, where the guy that had the little amount of talent, the one talent, actually didn't, wasn't in relationship, in right relationship with his, his boss mm-hmm. that gave him so generously a year's worth of wages. Here, go and invest this, do something cool with it. He, right. he buries it, and he's like, I buried it because I know you're a harsh guy. Right. <laughs> it's like, no, actually, he's a generous guy. The very fact that he gave that to you mm-hmm. and said, go and use this right, means that he's an incredibly yeah. relate, a deeply compassionate, generous person. Um, he didn't understand his math. Right. Uh, and so we've got we've to be in that relationship. Yeah. Uh, Jesus puts it like, so this gets, helps us to kind of do our shift here, but like, so a couple of things that Jesus says in, in, um, in John, he says, first of all, if you love me, again, relational, uh, you will obey my command. So there's an obedience part of it that leads to transformation, but it's rooted out of relationship. The other thing that he says is, uh, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. But the caveat is, if you abide in me. Abiding means, like, living. So I think uh, one of my favorite questions that people will ask me is, like, if, they're just, if they come up to me and they're like, what's up? Just abiding with Jesus. <laughs> you know, like, that's really should be. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that really ought to be the Christian's yeah. answer. Yeah. That's the truth. Right? Yeah. Because right. it's a it's a continuous present action. Mm-hmm. I am currently and always currently a living, abiding, dwelling. Right. That's that's a continuous action. Right. When you talk about transformation, one of the questions that come I, the question is, well, what is transformed? But it, it can't just be a component because if my motive isn't transformed, uh then 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 what does that say about what's producing the motive? I guess yeah. you could say my heart yeah. or my, my will. So, so if my motive isn't right, then what's driving that? So what, what's transformed, right? So <laughs> you're, you, you're setting me up. Because setting that, you there's up, right. six transformations of discipleship. Six. Six, all right. All right. So the first one uh, is the transformation of the heart. Um, unless there's... Um, unless a person is regenerated through belief resulting in action in the gospel and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, then the heart is not transformed. That's the first regeneration, and that's accomplished as, as an individual believes in the truth that Jesus Christ uh, has died for my sins as an individual and invited me through that um, to ask for forgiveness for my sins, restored into a relationship with God where I have been um, a vile, rebellion, mm. um, hellion. Right. Uh, yeah. So what do you think is the response to unbelief, like our world that we're in today? What would be the response of our world to the fact that without Christ, prior to him, Taking a heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh. Ultimately, human beings are vile and rebellious. Is that consistent with what the world's telling us today? Um, and affirming all that we are and encouraging everything that we believe and human beings are good at the heart? Definitely not. Yeah. Uh, 
but that's, uh, I mean, one only has to look at the state of the world to see the proof mm-hmm. that that is that's the status of, of the way things are. Mm-hmm. There are there are moments where um, the image of God is revealed in the lives of unbelievers. Common grace, common shows grace up, yeah. shows up everywhere, mm-hmm. and for that, I am like only God should receive the praise for that. Like that mm-hmm. is just the mercy of His salt sprinkled through the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and but at the same time, that preserving presence of God, allowing it to emerge throughout the world in various people's lives. By and large, we are all self-serving, self-glorifying uh, individuals that only seek our own our own ends and our own joy and our own, our own happiness. At the ex- and we're fine doing it at the expense of everyone around. Yeah. That won't play in a relationship with the God of the Bible, who demands those things be different. Yes. Yeah. So. So if I'm brought into a relationship with God through this gospel that we're talking about, then something has to shift. My heart has to be changed. So that, that's the first one is that, that transformation of the heart, which is why a list of principles is not discipleship. Hmm. Be, because you can agree with my principles, but never have the power to live out those principles. Hmm. That's why the indwelling of the Spirit is absolutely essential. And it's something that's promised from the moment of conversion, from the moment that I submit myself uh, to Christ and to his salvation. And right. that's such a beautiful thing. That's, the, that's that immediate sealing that we have. Mm-hmm. So that I think this is really key uh, for people who are discipling others to recognize. And I, I just, just a, a story from my own life, like I, the first believers that we had when we were um, living overseas, um, we hadn't had a single believer for 18 months. And finally, we, we brought these five people together that we felt like were the, the people that God was asking us to share with. We shared with them <clears throat> um, the gospel through basically taking them from creation all the way through the resurrection and then inviting them into a relationship with Christ. And uh, a 15-minute version of that story. And they were like, yeah, we want to believe. We want to enter into covenant today to follow Jesus Christ and him only from this day forward. And I, in my unbelief, I was like, let me go over this again, <laughs> just to make sure. And they're like, no, 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 we believe. We just need to get, like, we need to do this now. Like, Wow. I'm like, you sure you don't want to hear this one more time? <laughs> you know, it's just like my own unbelief right. in the regenerating power of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I even followed up on that, like, okay, now that you know who this, this Jesus is, who do you want to share it with? Do you think maybe possibly you might want to share it with like one person or maybe like two people? And this, this sweet lady who like can't read or barely can read and like, is older and like would be the least likely person in my eyes to be the one who mm-hmm. has the authority and power of living God in her from worldly standpoint. I'm like, and she's like, well, is it okay? I can already think of 10 people that I want to share this good news with. <laughs> right. I'm like, wow. No, and, no, and no, the, no, no. You don't want to do that. That'd, yeah. That'd be bad. That's too much. <laughs> right. Is it okay if I share with more? And I am so like, yeah. God forgive me for yeah. not believing that in this moment you indwelt mm-hmm. this woman mm-hmm. with all of your power through the presence of the Spirit of God. In yeah. And she spoke and convicted me wow. that I needed to be, I needed to trust the Spirit of the living God in that the take, people that of God. That completely takes the pressure off of us. Yes. Like it's not, right. it's not... You know, it's not going to be 42, 15-minute presentations right. over time necessarily. Yeah. It's the Spirit of the Lord is going to go boom. Exactly. Yeah. And if the Spirit of the Lord doesn't do that, and we've been faithful, then it's, it's really yeah. not on us. I and mean, it's not a reflection necessarily of our right. message or whatever. Right. It totally takes the pressure off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that became evident in that moment. Her, 
her heart had changed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So she's percent. She's gonna be. I believe. Now I already. I've got. I've already got a list. Right. I've got people. To no go fireworks share went off no. or anything like that. Like there weren't any sounds in the background. <laughs> she just believed. She, she just, just believed. believed. Praise the Lord. That's right. So you got the heart that transforms. What else happens? So another another transformation. So we've got transformation of the heart. Transformation of the mind is critical. Uh, and that is submitting uh, submitting our worldview to the worldview of the Bible, to the worldview of God himself. That's what transformation of the mind is. It, it can only happen um, as we're submitting ourselves to the kingdom of God as it's revealed in the word of God. Right. So the word of God is critical. It's sort of, we've got to be washed with the water of the renewing of our mind. There, there's a washing away of the infection of the world uh, in, in our mind. Uh, and that that's something that has to happen. Uh, it's right belief, right understanding leads to right belief and right action. Mm-hmm. So that transformation of the mind is absolutely critical. Right. And uh, I, I think this will get into, I'm skipping ahead a little bit to what's the content. But one of the key contents for me is that there, there has to be uh, ways that we address what is the worldview of, of the Bible in our content. It needs, to be, it needs to be not something that we leave until much later on, but we need to give a, a bare-bones framework for people mm-hmm. to have a worldview understanding that this is the worldview of the Bible. Um, what, are, what are the four movements of God's story? Um, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, mm-hmm. or consummation. Right. Those four movements... Anybody should be able to talk about those things. They need to have that framework uh, of what is the story, what's the grand narrative, the meta narrative mm-hmm. of scripture. I remember as a kid hearing the stories. I mean, we were in Sunday school. We knew the we knew the stories, but the one thing that it never seemed to all connect for me tie together. Yeah, I don't know that I, and maybe I did hear it, and just I, for whatever reason I didn't remember it. But the notion of a fifteen minute presentation of this is what God did in the beginning. That's how we all got here. This was what went wrong. This is the solution. This is, if, and, and this is where we're going to be one, right. be one day. It's like crucial to me, right. particularly from the way I learned, to be able to read the Bible and go, oh, okay, now I've got pegs to put these things on. Right. Yeah. But to bring that on early would have been so helpful for me. Yeah. I, I, it's a huge part of yeah. you know, getting this right early on. Yeah. yeah. Probably for me, it speaks a little bit of my discipleship journey. If if that had happened for me, this framework for placing these these sub narratives, I would have probably been able to escape a legalistic view of God mm. that that these were individual examples of why I should or shouldn't do a particular thing, mm-hmm. yeah. as opposed to a God ordained historical event that was working in a narrative He was building in the universe to tell the whole world who he is. Right. And and that was just not, I mean, truthfully, that didn't happen for me until way after believing the gospel yeah. and going, yeah. dad, gum, if I had known that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a yeah. game changer. It is. It's a, it, it, because my mind at that point, I start being, I can categorize things. Mm-hmm. I can put this experience or what I read in this news article in place. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it, it, it's a counter narrative. Yeah. It's like that doesn't match with this story, right? You know, and that's what I love. I love the notion of worldview as opposed to you know faith or religion or whatever, because faith can mean a whole bunch of different things. Religion can mean all sorts of things. Worldview essentially is how is it that you view everything in the world? Yeah, is it coherent? Yeah, Um, does it make sense? And so I I just I love talking along the, the lines of worldview and. Really, that's what we're describing. Yeah, right. absolutely. Well, let's do number three, because here's what I recognize. We probably are going to have to come back and talk about all six of these in separate components, because <laughs> these are infinitely deep. Yeah, they're infinitely deep. Yeah, um, and, and essential. Yeah, they are. There's so much you don't want to miss. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, so much I don't oh, want to miss. Okay. Um, um, but I think it's good to get them... Like in everything, like if you have if you have the overview, yeah, then you can that's go true. infinitely deep the rest of your life in every one of these. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I mean, that's what I love about it. 
that's that's yeah that's our relationship with god is like there is no end to the right to the curiosity we have about it absolutely absolutely what's number Um, three number three is affections okay so if we don't have transformed affections everybody loves something we're created for love and so we love something but our loves are misguided and, and misplaced and so we have to have um discipleship must reorient our love to the things to loving god and the things that god loves in the way that god loves so the things that we need to love god we need to love the things that god loves in the way that god loves right so um well, so, without the first one there's no loving the thing if you don't love god right if the relationship's not restored and your exactly. mind's not again shifting, you see a little bit of there's a little like, bit of a pattern here, here. There's a thing <laughs> relationship, here, right? relationship is the foundation yeah, yeah and absolutely. it's going to keep coming back in right uh, that's huge yeah, gk bill has this great saying human beings um human beings tend to uh, resemble what they revere right for restoration or for ruin right mm. But and when you look at these, when the Bible, when the Lord talks about in the Old Testament, what happens to these people who are worshiping these idols that can't speak and can't hear? There are people who don't understand, and they can't they they can't get it because they're like these. He even calls them after they they make this calf. He calls them stiff necked, right? This wooden calf, right? They're stiff necked, just like they're, and so. But we see it in our own lives. I mean, we see it in lives of people that we love too. Right. Is we we pursue something. And next thing you know, we start looking like it and taking right. on its characteristics, you know. And it's really it is it's either for restoration yeah. or it's for ruin. Mm. That's that's gold. So your affections have to shift, right? So that means that when I I need to love the things that God loves, and. And also, the, the opposite of that is true. There are mm-hmm. things that God hates. Right. And we have to come to the place where we hate those things mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and so that, that is, um, there's a nuance to that uh, that will take a lot more time to kind of go into. But like, sure. there is something about hating the sin and not the sinner mm-hmm. uh, that, is, that is really fundamental here to be able to, to to do that well mm. uh, so that you look at somebody whose actions are abominable, who are absolutely horrible in the things that they're doing, mm. either to themselves or to others around them. And when we look at them through the eyes of Jesus, we see that they are infinitely valuable, mm. that they cost nothing less than the death of him who knew no sin. When we can look at them that way, but also see that their sin costs that much. Right. That's that's two sides of the same coin, and we do have to look at people the same with, with that, with both mm-hmm. sides of that. Um, not just um, we have to look with compassion, but also to say what you are doing costs Jesus this much suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when we can get there, then. Um, then we're able to hate the things that God hates in the way that that Satan and his world um, and his way of attacking the world tear down. So, uh, for me, like an example in my in my own life, um, where I live overseas, there's a lot of demon possession, um, and that's probably a whole topic that we could talk about some other time. But one of the things that I came to an understanding. That everything, I, ha- I was in a situation where we were going through this uh, this backcountry area, and there was this. Uh, we didn't know it at the time. This this person lived in a uh, in a cave in a forest, and everybody thought that this woman was um, a wise woman, and they would all go get advice from her. Well, we walk up, and the woman said, who is not educated crawling around on kind of hands and feet, long, matted hair, just like barely have a stitch of clothing on. Um, she would, she said, in perfect English, I know who you are and who has sent you. This person obviously did not know English. <laughs> um, wow. 
and um it was very clear that this and it was it when you when you hear a demon for the first time you understand why jesus told them to shut up because you feel like you need to take a shower uh you mm-hmm. feel that filthy yeah. when a demon speaks um and the demon said at one point in that in that conversation um this woman is my horse, my beast of burden, whom I have ridden for 18 years. I will ride her for many more. The wow. dehumanization is the goal. <clears throat> and when, when you start to see what Satan does to completely obliterate the image of God in us, right. that's, that's the purpose. That's what we ought to hate. We ought to hate that what is created in the image of God is continuously being devalued and destroyed. Poverty is a total attack on what it means to be human created in the image of God. All of the ills of the world are all that. They are all an attack on the value of who we are as created beings reflecting our creator. Right. Um, right. So transformation is um, both turning our affections and loving in the way that God intends for us to love and the things he intends for us to love and hating those things that violate those. Right. Um, And that gives us the ability to stand up and declare what's right and what's wrong. Not just because, well, that's wrong because it says that it's wrong, but it's rooted in our love. We can be far more passionate and far more effective in calling people to rally around something when we're talking about it rooted out of that relationship, yeah, out of like yeah. what's true and what's mm-hmm. right. And it's what's like good. our conversations about leadership when we're saying, look, you can, you can, um, you can really lean into something that you believe in. Yeah. Um, if it's just a system of ideas, it's just going to be short term. It's not going right. to be enduring, but man, if you, if you love something, if it's a, if you get why, um, you know, what, if we can magnify the glory of God like we're supposed to, and somebody can fall in love with Him, right? They can persevere. Yeah, you know, right? Absolutely. It provides power. You know, I, I hate that the reference is escaping me, but when you were talking about uh, the quote by G.K. Beale, and, and you're talking about the transformation issue, it's one of the Psalms that said that speaks of of idols that those who worship them become like mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Right, and there's that component of of yeah. our affections that what we adore, we begin to imitate, and 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 we begin to give sacrifice sacrificially ourselves, our resources to it. Yeah, and, and dude, I'm, I'm sitting. I'm just even just even the level of conviction over our context and culture of the things that we sacrifice to, yeah. and become like. Right, and then and. And then put Jesus' name on top of it, right? and that's a different yeah. affection. And it's and it the T-shirt might say Jesus, but it's sitting on top of a, a silver or gold idol of yeah. some sort. Yeah, that's devastating. Right. The 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 thought, you know, in my Western mind, I I go, I see the woman who you're describing. I think that's not us, but ultimately, it really is us. It is, it is us. I mean, if if we're if we're Following after yeah. something other than the wise counsel yeah. loving of our loving God, yeah. we are that woman. Yeah, our modern sensibilities protect us from ever getting to that. Maybe right. Yeah, for most of us. Yeah, but our, the condition of our our heart and, and where we are is yeah. really no different. I would say even some this is demonology a little bit, but it is a worthy topic. I think uh, uh, the enemy knows how to be as indigenous as we Ooh, know how to yeah, be indigenous right. as That's well. Good. You know, I, in some of my global. Globe trotting and experiences there are different than here, but it's the same enemy. Mm-hmm. It is. They just know how to put on a different set of clothing and fit yeah. in better. Whatever the deception, because he's the Satan is the father of lies. The deception that that woman was under was that um, real power was um, rooted in controlling the spirit, which actually was controlling mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. Here, um, we think power is knowledge. We think yeah. power is something else. We think power is um, compound interest, being able to be wealthy and mm-hmm. right. um, following some principles. Uh, mm. But in both cases, we step into lie yeah. um, and just fall flat on our face. 
I mean, I think in the West, the biggest lie that Satan has in general is that um, Satan doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. Right. And, right. and so naturalism uh, is the trap of, um, that has actually crept into the church. Yeah. Uh, so that we don't believe in the church, even that the spirit of the living God indwells the people of God in a way where everyone has full access to all of the benefits of sonship. Right. Like, yeah. we don't believe that because, right. well, God doesn't really intervene, intersect, mm. and connect on many lives. Not in a real tangible way where mm. he shows up and... Yeah. Yeah. Right. He's, he's fully... His power and authority is on you. Right. Right. All right, we're going to do four, five, and six, but before we do, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. All right, we're coming back. Uh, we've been talking about the components of transformation, the heart, the mind, the affections, and so much more we can dig mm. deeper into. Um, and I'm really tempted, but for the sake of time, <laughs> really, some, there's some rabbits to chase here, and they're tempting. But let's move to number four. So what's the fourth component of transformation and discipleship? So the fourth transformation of discipleship is transformation of the will. Okay. Uh, so in the, in the Shema, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, will. Um, and so that, that will uh, is the thing that brings us to action. It's the, <clears throat> it's the to hear and obey submission to our master. Um, Jesus exemplified it, modeled it. My, he says, I am here to do the will of the one who sent. And then he sends us. So that, that's huge. If the second person of the Trinity's purpose in the incarnation was to do the will of the father who sent him. Right. And then that second person in the Trinity with the father sends us with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit within us. That's, we have to submit. We have to submit our will to his will. And um, that will must be transformed so that we are, we, we not only out of those transformed affections, things that we love, we bring that love into, into action, things that we do. And so that transformed will is absolutely critical. Um, it can't be divorced from the context of relationship. Like I've said a couple times, it, then it becomes legalism right. and right. religiosity, and we're just doing things just to right. do them. Um, and, and I'm even, and, and even in this, I, I think it's important to recognize these components are not just, they are applied to the individual, but the individual is never separated from the corporate. Because as you were talking, I was out my ecclesiology was absolutely my, my needle on my ecclesiology was spiking because I'm going all these things you're talking about there are the corporate responsibility of the local church and if and if the will of the individuals isn't set on hearing and obeying God's word then the corporate will of the local church isn't set on hearing and obeying God's word then what in the world yeah. are we doing right. he was sent now he calls us into this transformative relationship where all this stuff's being changed and he sends us. Yeah. How are we sent, right? Corporately, not just, yeah. okay, Les, go do your thing and clap for you, brother. Yeah. yeah. You know, but <laughs> for all of us, how is that will transforming our ecclesiology and our practice? Right. That's an important part to me is how does it get from the individual to the community of the kingdom and then from the community of the kingdom to the domains and flow out that way. And so I don't know, I don't know if that's in process, I don't know if it's in knowledge, I don't know if it's in all all throughout. But yeah, I mean, Christ came to save the bride. Right. Not just me individually. Right. And so all these things manifest themselves in this bride that really becomes a city on a hill. Yeah. That the lost people look at and go, wow. Mm. And so, um, you know, if we're transformed. Yeah. If, if we, if our affections have changed, and if our will turns into lives that are lived differently, like they're they're actually behaving differently, right. and they're they're mm -hmm. they're producing different things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit last time. That 
and this this relates maybe I should have brought this up under affections, but um, in terms of that relational nature, like we are of discipleship, we are invited um, in relationship, uh, but we're not birthed into um, a family of spiritual orphans. Mm-hmm. We're birthed into a family that actually is a family. Right. Uh, and that, that family is the, is the body of Christ. And so mm. with the body of Christ, we can, as we enter in uh, to a place and we're, like, we're going into a new, like if you have a new job, you're, you're going into your new job and you're searching, like, what's the spiritual landscape here? Mm-hmm. You're entering into a new place. Well, you need to look, okay, there's only two kinds of people in that place, in that new job. There's saved people and there's lost people. And that's it. <laughs> right. And it's really simple. With right. the saved people, you need to encourage them to live the transformations mm-hmm. and to live outwardly um, and to be transformed inwardly. With the lost people, they need Jesus. And so you know what to do in all of the relationships in a new work environment when you enter into a place. It's that's your first job, is actually sure as you're going through your your orientation of the company or whatever, but your assessment of that of that landscape should also be and should primarily be what's the spiritual landscape here? Who's saved, who's lost? Because then you know how to relate to those people. Uh, so that my relationship with the saved brothers, the saved sisters that are in that were brothers and sisters, and I am encouraging them what is the transformation of Christ looking like for you today? Mm-hmm. And that, that, that is if my will has been shifted. Right. Yeah. right? If it has been transformed to be, to be <clears throat> on the mission. Right. So I think there's this really strange thing in our context that there are multiple missions. You know, and, and they all fit under the mission. It's, yes. not, it's not that those components that dehumanize people are unimportant. They're vital. They are to be addressed. Right. But they are to be addressed, and I know this. we're passionate about this, <laughs> along with the primary relationship restored, right? 100%. Uh, and, and, but, but my will has to be shifted. There should be a transformation for me to see that and to be on a mission with that. I need to get you, recon- you need to be reconciled to God, and we need to address these things that dehumanize you. Right. And we can do them together, but that, my will has to be shifted to see and, and want that yeah. at all. Hmm. So that doing the will of the one who sent me is is what we need to do. We need to exemplify Christ because we're sent by Christ and, and follow what he is what he did and his relationship with his heavenly father. We have the same heavenly father. Um obviously we don't have a trinitarian relationship with that father. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um but nonetheless we're sent. Um, yeah. And so our zeal to obey and our zeal to have others obey, whether it's in our family or it's in our community, is not always legalism. No. There is a version of that becomes legalism. But what we're the the, the call to obey is in the Bible. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's it's not oh that's legalism, yeah. Non legalism lets us it sort of lets us back off. We never judge that that's not a biblical concept. No, we, we encourage one another to obey in a way that's not legalism, but is, is healthy yeah. and godly. Well, if it's, rest- if it's restored back to the relational component, mm-hmm. then my yeah, obedience the is rooted, and it's the why. It's like, right. I, I don't have this relationship. I, I know God. I hear God's voice. Right. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit speaks to me. His word's alive. And even the how mm-hmm. is there. Like, mm-hmm. not just the why. The why is critical. I mean, it, but how do you do it? Yeah. Right? Right. The how you do it is also like you do it. These might be the the the, you know, the how can be a very practical thing. Like here's how you share your faith, but it can also be how I go out and do it with nothing less than the power of the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead mm-hmm. in Romans eight eleven. Um, that's in you. That's right. that's that's how you do it, Absolutely. and mm-hmm. that means. The beautiful thing about that is that we don't become glory robbers. So here's something about accountability that I have really grown a great distaste for in the way that I've, I've seen it done um, a lot of times in my childhood is, so did you do what you said you were going to do or did you not? 
and then I say, well, I did it. What am I saying? I did it. Mm-hmm. Not the spirit of Christ in me empowered me so that I was even able in, an, in my in my uh, in any yeah. way possible to right. obey this. Yeah, because it's impossible to do it like that, and the whole time you're doing it, going, it's like, did you do it? Oh, I did it. Let me tell you, it's going to cost you. Nothing, right. You know? right. The obedience itself is not the end game, right? Right. The the obe- it's mm. it's it's why we did it and how you do it and the heart in which you do it yeah. in and it, as a parent, oh my goodness, you know you got the obedient kid who is just waiting, hoping, dreaming they can get out of this house to go do yeah. whatever they want because right. I am done with this place. Right. And you've got the one who's struggling along but really loves you and is trying to do the best they can, but, man, they just are fumbling along. You know, the one with the right heart is the one who's going to be in a better place. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, that's so, that's so true. Wow. So, I mean, I think that, that, like, how do we ask our accountability questions actually is, has to be mm, rooted in, in our theology. Uh, if we ask the accountability question, did you do it, did you not do it, we are actually asking it out of bad theology. Yeah. How did God empower you to obey what he put on your heart to do last time? Yeah. That's, that's a, a totally that's different, a fundamentally frame. different question. Yeah. yeah. Because the other way still wreaks havoc in my soul. Yeah. Like I, to this day, walk in the dog this morning, I wrestle with these thoughts that God has to get even with me. Mm-hmm. I have to pay for that. Yeah. And having to just go back to the beginning over and over again. So the fundamental way you ask will questions, yeah. it, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we need each other for that. Right. Uh, and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we, we absolutely need each other in order for our wills to be transformed. That's that's part of the communal nature of what we're invited into. We're invited into a family, and and we need each other. Um, spur one another, spur one another on to love and good work. Yeah, yeah. We need others. That's 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 written into the way that God has designed us yeah. as human beings, as relational human beings. But it's deeply, deeply a part of what a restored community. The church oh, man, that, is that is so like I get chill bumps just thinking about that. I mean, the, the, the role of the community in discipleship to me is goodness, it's just so important. And the, 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 the fact that I know people who are struggling along, they're believers, yeah, they're in churches, they're mm-hmm. even attending, but man, they, they don't have that community that we're right. describing. Um, you know, my sister is, is, is an example, not because she's not in a good church right now, but she wanted to jump in on our community because she's heard about the things that are happening there, and especially particularly in the middle of this, the virus yeah. and being uh, yeah. secluded from everyone. She's just longing for that. And, um, you know, the Lord has provided that for me and my family for so many years. And uh, goodness, I'm so thankful for that. And, and Yeah. And the Bible and the church and even church discipline and the redemptive nature of it and what it provides for us and as a community, all that stuff is so yeah, yeah. valuable when it comes to am I going to get discipled in a way that's loving and kind and encourages me and kind of reigns me in when I need it. Mm. It's huge. I so mean, that's, that's one of the things I, right. I love about original language is right. that there's, you know, I think we need a y'all version of the Bible, yeah, because <laughs> yes. so yes. so often we read you, and in especially in our American yes. context where individual is king, we read it and we're like, "Yeah, he's talking about me." Um, but it's actually y'all, yeah, yeah. And outside of y'all, you can't do it. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's collective. I, in fact, I was yeah, preaching through Second Corinthians. It was a passage in Second Corinthians for a college group a couple of years ago, and I decided, well, you know, I might ought to go back and do some work, and j- just to make sure. My points are on point, and 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 I'm telling you, just almost embarrassed. This is a few years ago that I realized it wasn't an individual application; it was a corporate application, yeah. and it changed absolutely it everything. Changed so, everything. I first embarrassed, ought to known better. Number yeah. two, that changes how we do what we do, yeah. and it shows you the the 
importance of the collective nature of accountability to our actions. And yeah, our, the original language, it's very clear. <clears throat> yeah, it's this is y'all. You individual or <laughs> yeah. you, the group. That's right. In our, in our language, I mean, just, just to remind everybody, yeah. it's not clear in, in the English. Yeah. You are the yeah. temple of the living God. You all, not just me. Right. If I've isolated myself, I'm not the temple of the living mm-hmm. God. We together right. are the temple of the living God. The Great point. Yeah. That, that's another, that's, that's a rabbit, a big, juicy rabbit just going, chase me. Yeah. <laughs> it, does, it does lead us into the next one. It does. So I'm going to keep this on That's good. Thank you, Les. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Number five. Fifth mark yeah. is transformed relationship. Mm. Uh, so we, we will, after we have a transformed heart and we're transforming our mind through this reshaped worldview, and our affections are being aligned with the things that God loves, and our will, our, our ability and, and our desire, and our, our living out of those affections, our will is transformed, then that's going to affect every relationship around us. Hmm. It will, um, so that we will love sacrificially everyone around us, hmm. so that we will become, um, as it talks about in Corinthians, ministers of reconciliation. Hmm. We will, we will embrace the ministry of reconciliation mm. and we'll participate in that. Um, <clears throat> the, I do not still, as much as I have read the Word of God, I still do not understand why it is that God grants to us the privilege of ambassadorship. Why, why is it that we have any right with the filthy things that I say out of my mouth to actually proclaim, proclaim, proclaim words of life. Mm. Why do I have that privilege and that right to represent God and speak words of life and watch a person in front of me embrace those words of the gospel of the kingdom of God and go from death to life right in front of my Why do I get to be a part of that? Right. Um, but that is... <clears throat> Relationships are completely trans- transformed. Our marriages are changed. Our parenting is changed. Our uh, relationship with our employees, our relationship with our boss, uh, our relationship with unbelievers, with a total stranger, mm. all of that is transformed. Our relationship with others in the body of Christ is transformed so much so that a person can say, this is my family more than my blood. Because the, my blood family does not believe in in God, but these people do, yeah. and they are more family to me than than even my blood. I've even said before, spirit is thicker than blood. Yeah, and, really and, and that it it, that's true. The family of God is thicker than yeah. our biological family relation. Well, I'm looking at uh, Ephesians four. I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, mm-hmm. with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another. In love, um, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So I think about peace and peace inside the, inside the church and the powerful ministry or testimony yeah. that is. If our relationships do, in fact, have this this um, aroma of peace, yes, that the rest of the world can watch see watch happen. Mm-hmm. Um, even in a workplace where they watch Christians who are living out in a manner worthy of their calling, they're lost and they're watching these people interact in a way it should just look like it's like this it's got this oughtness to it. It's like yeah. that's the way relationships are supposed to be. Right. And it just that alone draws people in and prepare it makes fertile soil for the gospel. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Transform relationships. Yeah, Jesus talks about wow. uh the world will know you by your love for one another. Mm-hmm. The world will know that you have, I have sent you mm-hmm. by your love. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when we're um, backbiting and vicious and the divorce rate in the church is the same as the divorce rate in the world, right. we have not embraced this aspect right. of discipleship. Deci- our, our relationships ought to look different. And they will look different as our wills are transformed, as right. our affections are transformed, as all these other things are transformed. 
but um, it is necessary. It's a, it's almost like what's the, James is really talking about, like, I don't know that these other transformations are actually occurring in you because I don't see the way that you relate to each other changing. Right, right. You're you're not living. You're saying to your brother, literally, your brother, spirit thicker than water. I know you're hungry. Just go and get some food somewhere else, and God bless you. Um, like, right. no, you have not had a transformation in your relationship. So I wonder if your heart is transformed, yeah. if your mind is being transformed, if your affections are the things that God loves, and certainly, are you mm. obeying? Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. Um, There's a component. If any of these are missing, the, this sequence, the sequence <clears throat> of these is is key. Yeah. They build on one another. They do. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Number six. Number six. Number six is purpose. Transformed purpose. Uh, so without everyone lives with a purpose in life, and uh, when we most of us live, most people go through their lives living for themselves. But when, <clears throat> when you see uh, massive change happening in society, it's when a group of people rally around a common purpose. So unless a follower of Christ actually follows, his, follows the purposes that God has designed them for, and is all about that, uh, then, then the follower of Christ is going to miss out on what's the grand vision I'm invited into. Mm-hmm. Uh, that <clears throat> it means we need to be missionally engaged in the work of the kingdom. Um, a transformed, a, a disciple with a transformed purpose lives their life for the sake of Christ. They live and they die for the sake of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so you can actually come to the place where you can say with Paul, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Uh, to, be with, to be with you and to be about the kingdom work among you, I'm all about that while I'm here. But if that ends, then I get to be with Jesus. And um, that purpose being able to say, I have something that I live for. Uh, that transformed purpose is absolutely critical mm. uh, to, to living yeah, uh, I, a disciple. I'm convinced that many, that, that a, a born-again Christian who, doesn't, who isn't engaging the kingdom or engaging the world with the gifts that God has given them, they sort of, they've, either, you know, they've either buried it or they've hijacked yeah. it for some other, they're, they're not stewarding it well. But Christians who can't go, um, who can't answer the question, where's, how, is, how are you right now working in the kingdom for God's glory and to move the kingdom forward? The ones who can't answer that question, yes, are the ones who are struggling to be transformed yeah. and are, one, are wondering, man, is this thing even real? It's like a soldier who's not in the fight. You know, it's like, gosh, this stuff is just a burden to me. Right. But if you're in the fight, you recognize, no, 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 it's not a burden. It's protecting me. It's giving me... It's a weapon. I can use it for various things. Mm-hmm. But man, yeah, the, the, the believers who, who haven't found their purpose, they're in the pew, but they're in the back or maybe even in the front. Yeah. And they're not engaging the world with their gifts, maybe vocationally or whatever. Um, it's a real noose or just a, it's a chain that they, they can't yeah. lean in. Like, man, what's missing? Yeah. Um, this is just a key. It's huge. It's ends matter in our discipleship. Yeah. Like, where are we headed in our discipleship? It's these things have taken place in me, but what's what's the termination point, or right. even better, the eternal launching point mm-hmm. right. for an eternity lived like this? Yeah. Um, but we're really kind of running out of time, mm-hmm. and there's another rabbit to chase. So I want us to come back to it when we do our next episode, when we when we talk about the the third component for us, which is going to be dealing with this process. But here's a question I'd like for us to attack when we come back together. Okay. Um, what what does collective discipleship like this look like on our ecclesiology? Hmm. Um, these two passions hmm. of mine, they're not divorced. No. 
they go together. But we live in a place where our discipleship and our ecclesiology are divorced. Um, and, and and I'm sure would someone would argue with me, and they may say, I don't, I think you're full of trash. I don't, yeah. I don't believe that's the case at all. But I and think you, by ecclesiology, you mean how the church is structured, put together, how it functions. Yeah. Yeah, with discipleship corporately versus in all that yeah. individually. Yeah, it, what would a church look like that its people were discipled like this? Yeah, what would it look like? Right. Um, we're starting to chase the rabbit, which like is Jesus. Yeah, it looked like Jesus, <laughs> wouldn't it? it like Jesus. Dangerously, it like army Jesus. of people that look like Jesus yeah. and are being transformed from glory to glory. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's the transformations we're looking for. We want to reflect Jesus. We do. And if it's got a corporate, if it's not just you isolated and it's us together, then that has implications on what we look like and what we do. Yeah. It has to. Otherwise, we've, we've isolated one from the other, and yeah. I don't think we have a liberty to do that. So we got some questions to attack next time. Guys, thanks for your time today. It's been a joy. Les, really yeah, appreciate you spending some time with Thank us. And guys. so, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Hey, thank you for listening to Theology in the Dirt. You can email us at theologyinthedirt at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you with some feedback and perhaps some questions that you'd like us to tackle. We'll see you next week. And until then, deuces.